Today, there are two million descendants of French Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes fils et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. French Canadians and Acadians in the United States have sometimes been described as in-betweens. That is, historically they faced prejudice and marginalization but did not endure the same barriers or violence as indigenous groups and people of color. But there is another in-betweenness in Franco-American history, a geographical in-betweenness that we find in borderland regions. Franco-Americans' place in these liminal zones has raised different questions about nationality and belonging. That brings us again to an installment of the Lacroix Library. Our work this week is the aptly titled The Land in Between, the Upper St. John Valley, Prehistory to World War I. The book was written by Beatrice Craig and Max Dagenet with the collaboration of Lisa Ornstein and Guy Dubé. It recounts the development of French heritage communities in western New Brunswick and northern Maine, or what is sometimes called the historic territory of the greater Madawaska. Britain and the United States both claimed the entire region until an 1842 treaty established the St. John River as the international boundary between Grand Falls and St. Francis. Existing communities on both sides of the new border were, in the short term, little affected by this decision. Residents continued to cross back and forth to visit family, attend religious services, and conduct business. Differences would nevertheless develop as the state of Maine began regulating the language of education in public schools in the 20th century, the aftermath of September 11th, and the pandemic-related travel restrictions have since hardened the border and shaped the culture of the region. The authors of The Land in Between take a broad view of the region's history. They recognize and depict the original occupants of the land, whose culture and ancestry are difficult to trace during the colonial period due to displacement, population losses, warfare, and the mixing of separate bands. The authors also trace in great detail the process by which people of Acadian and French-Canadian descent sought legal title to the area along the river, lest they again be displaced. This is also a good opportunity to learn about the economic development of a region supported chiefly by lumber and by agriculture. In time, the telegraph and the railway accelerated the St. John Valley's integration in a larger economy. Still, it remained at the mercy of outside capital. In fact, much as the local Catholic Church was dependent on outside resources and religious orders. For anyone with an interest in the larger French-Canadian and Acadian story, the Land in Between is an essential work, arguably the most comprehensive guide to the French communities of the valley that's available. If, in its 400 pages, the book seems encyclopedic, it is also approachable, well-organized, and enlivened by maps, tables, images, insightful sidebars, and primary documents. The sources that appear at the end of each chapter reflect the meticulous research undertaken to bring this work to fruition. And yet, quite modestly and graciously, the authors end this tome by recognizing the limits of their work and pathways for researchers interested in pushing the bounds of our own knowledge even further. Today, Northern Maine is the most Francophone area of the United States. It is a unique region molded by the proximity of Quebec and New Brunswick, where Acadian heritage and culture survive in ways that are unrivaled anywhere else in the U.S. Northeast. 
what better way to discover the valley than to read about its history and then to come up for a visit for the on-the-ground experience. Consider ordering the land in between from your local bookshop or by contacting the main Acadian Heritage Council or the Acadian Archives in Fort Kent. Bonne lecture. Thanks, Patrick. This week's guest is someone we actually met a while ago while we were kind of in the planning phases of putting together a specific tour of Lowell to honor Jack Kerouac. And so our guest this week is going to be someone who is truly an expert on all things Kerouac, Steve Eddington. He's going to give us a tour of some of the places in Lowell, as well as talk about some of Kerouac's connections to Nashua, New Hampshire. Really interesting interview. If you have any interest at all in any of the work of Kerouac and how his Franco-American background influenced his writing you're going to want to check out next week so again next week steve eddington what i like to do if possible is i like to ask a bonus question as a sports fan myself i'm a big sports guy definitely a rugby guy mike is a big soccer guy he likes liverpool soccer i'm just mm-hmm. out of curiosity because i don't know the answer what about jack Irwin? was he a sports guy yeah his big sport was baseball he okay, loved baseball. Cool. He writes about going to Boston to see them. And he actually had he had his own fantasy league that he somehow used playing cards for with teams. Really? That he would flip through decks to see who batted where. We had a great program about that a few weeks ago, as a matter of fact. But yeah, baseball was his big uh baseball was his big sport. If you read um Desolation Angels, he talks about being on top of that Desolation Peak where he was a fire lookout in the summer of 56, all by himself for almost two months. He writes about having his cards up there and playing playing baseball games, somehow playing baseball games using a deck of cards while he was while he was a fire lookout. So, so to answer your question is, yeah, baseball. He, he played well. He, yeah, baseball was his big sport. Sure. His ticket out of Lowell, however, was uh, he got a football scholarship to Columbia University uh, because of his sort of football prowess on the Lowell high school team, and that was where he met Ginsburg and Burroughs and the rest of sure. let's say. Uh, so football was the sport that got him out of low, but I think baseball was really his first love. That's awesome. Very cool. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you, sir. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.